The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now we've got an interesting one today, Anson Resources. The code is ASN. It's trading at around 13.5 cents for a market cap of 138 million. And it's very much part of the lithium wave. The flagship project is the Paradox Lithium Brine Project in Utah, over there in the States. It's uh, very much a clean lithium project and it's uh, of the direct extraction type. It's distinct uh, from our lithium production here in Australia from hard rock sources and the cellar evaporation ponds they use over in uh, South America. Now we've got Bruce Richardson with us. He's uh, the executive chairman and CEO of the company. And Bruce will be giving us a rundown on plans to get Paradox into production sometime in around 24, 25, hopefully. So with that, I'll say, g'day, Bruce. Welcome to the program. Hey, Barry. Nice to meet you. Now, Bruce, interesting project, Paradox. I've just mentioned there that it is different to what most investors in this market would understand to be a lithium project that's being hard rock or the evaporation systems they use over in, in South America. So just give us a bit of a history around the project and uh, what uh, where you're at in terms of adding uh, building a resource base there and then moving uh, taking those steps to get it into production. Thanks, Barry. Well, uh, the Paradox Lithium Project is a slightly different uh, project to South America um, or um, Hard Rock Spodumene in Australia. So our project is actually a brine project. Most uh, similar would be to South America. But the difference is that our brine is at a depth of around about 6,000 feet. So this uh, brine is, is found uh, during drilling programs for oil. Um, the oil horizon is much lower than the lithium horizon, uh, a difference of about 1,800 feet uh, between the two. Um, but it was this is how the, the lithium was discovered, that it was uh, during drilling programs for oil that they intersected um, these clastic zones uh, within a formation. And the brine came up, up the oil well or the drilling well um, over the crew. And um, people thought that it might be a potash project. Uh, they assayed for it some you know, 50 years ago. Uh, they left the assays behind. There was not enough potash in there that there was lithium and bromine and other minerals. So mm. um, over the past few years, we've been doing drilling programs, uh, what we call re-entry programs. So we re-enter existing oil wells. We then perforate the uh, the casing of the well at, the, at a depth that where we know that this brine exists. It's around about 6,500 feet below surface. And we then um, perforate the casing and the brine in this case, flows into the casing and comes up to the top of the well. And we're able to measure the lithium content from the samples we've taken from those flows, pressures, temperature, etc. So one of the, uh, one of the uh, questions we often get asked is about what happens if the pressure drops? Well, the, the pressure actually um, remains constant. Um, the flow rates that we've done, it, it's uh, dissimilar to oil that it, it um, actually... Uh, it's not in a pod, but more like a sea. So it covers a, a very large uh, mm-hmm. area, 
uh, the thickness around 10 to 30 feet. So we have uh, quite an extensive area to cover there with our project. So to date, uh, the indication is that no pumping is required. Uh, The brine is free-flowing, as it were. Yeah, so we have an unusual um, or unique uh, geological feature there called Robert's Rupture, um, which causes the overpressuring and pushes right. the brine to surface. So for um, you know, a, a product like lithium where you want to be as green as possible, as you say, we don't need to pump. It, it comes up to the surface under its own pressure and also mm-hmm. has enough pressure to push itself to the location of the processing plant. So that's also a saving as far as um, needing to have diesel generators um, and trucks bringing that diesel and the dust they cause. So all those emissions are, are, are controlled um, due to the overpressuring and, and the ability of this brine to flow to surface. Right, so the, accessing the uh, prospective horizon uh, through the uh, old uh, oil wells, um, I take it uh, there's these old oil wells uh, pepper the area, do they? They're, they're everywhere, are they? Yeah, if you, if you look at our presentations, you'll see a lot of black dots on, um, mm-hmm. on the map and they are the oil wells. So some of them are still in production. Uh, they're still drilling new wells in the air, particularly with the current high oil price. They're, they're still out there drilling, but we're in a different location. So um, generally that oil is in pods and, and ours is in a much larger area. And um, uh, that results in the pressure being fairly constant over a long period. Right. So if you were starting from scratch and there was <laughs> uh, the oil was uh, just uh, incidental, you, um, you'd, you're obviously saving huge amounts in drilling costs accessing the resource. Yeah, as, well, as far as exploration is concerned, yes. But when we come to production, we'll be um, drilling new wells. In fact, we've prepared two mm-hmm. uh, wells uh, pads for t- two pads for the wells to go onto, um, and those um, the diameter of the of the wells will be much greater, so allowing a, a much bigger flow. So the, the pressure um, has been measured and uh, engineered, so determine the actual optimal size of the extraction well. So um, an oil well is generally much smaller the the uh, diameter is much smaller um, so less flow but if you have a bigger diameter up to a certain size you maintain the pressure but you get the flow so we'll be drilling a, um, a number of uh, production wells and we're already in the, in the process of, of preparing mm. for that we have the pads ready um, and we need to locate and um, bring to site some large very large rigs to drill the sort of holes that we or the wells that we need yeah okay now Direct extraction lithium is often referred to as green lithium or clean lithium. Mm. Just run through uh, for investors uh, some of the reasons why that is the case. Uh, well, you know, the evaporation ponds, um, there's a couple of points to them. One is that they're not uh, particularly friendly to to um, to animals in the area or birds in the area. Um, a bit more difficult these days to get approval for those. Um, um, you, you also lose a lot of your lithium when you're moving it from well to well so how they start off eight, eight wells and then four wells and then two wells mm-hmm. as the sun evaporates the water you concentrate the lithium up to a certain point before you you take it off to, um, somewhere to clean up uh, purify um, concentrate and then eventually turn into lithium carbonate or, or hydroxide so um, the dle process it, it's internal so it's in a, in a plant uh, controlled environment uh, in our case, what we use is um, a DLE, which is uh, able to extract the lithium only, you know, so onto a resin, and then we use water to wash the lithium from the resin. Some DLEs use chemicals, um, sulfuric or hydrochloric acid, to to wash the, the lithium um, from the resin, from a different type of resin. 
In fact, we, we tried around about, uh, I think we did all five different ways of uh, processing. Um, and the one that we selected, we're very pleased that it's able to use water. Um, and that's a lot easier to control, environmentally easier to control. Um, you can recycle it um, relatively easily uh, and um, have less of an impact on the environment. So all that's uh, good. And if you can find a way of powering your DLE with, um, with your own power, so um, in our case, we get um, a nice bonus there because it comes to surface under its own pressure, uh, then it also makes that even more uh, attractive to potential off-take partners, um, manufacturers of batteries and cars um, mm. that are looking for those attributes. So there is a, um, a Jork resource, but you're in the process of drilling programs to grow that resource. Tell us about the existing resource. The existing resource is around about 186,000 tonnes indicated and inferred, um, and that supports um, production of around about 2,500 tonnes of lithium, so a modest amount. Uh, but we have a very big exploration target uh, and at present, what we're doing is um, a drilling program uh, to increase our jork resource, which would support a, a higher production rate of uh, lithium carbonate equivalent, or LCE. Uh, currently, there are two wells that we're focusing on to increase the, the jork resource vertically. So we're going deeper into the next um, unit, the next geological unit below where we've previously gone, something called the Mississi Mississippian unit. Um, and within that, we, the brine is known to exist. So we're going to go down to that level and we're going to test those brines for lithium. Um, and then uh, hopefully that will result in a, a, a higher jork uh, result. Mm -hmm. uh, we're also uh, expanding to the west uh, with uh, the uh, two, uh, two additional wells that we want to drill in that direction. One's called Sunburst and Mineral Canyon. Again, their uh, exploration uh, oil exploration wells that we want to go into, not only sample the, the uh, paradox formations where we've previously found our resource, but also go down to the Mississippi in there as well. So we've got a, um, a vertical and horizontal strategy uh, to increase the resource. Uh, currently, we are uh, drilling at Long Canyon, number two well, um, a well that we went into uh, previously. Uh, we're on the way down into the Mississippi now. And uh, we hope that within a couple of weeks, we will be able to uh, reach that um, the level where that um, brine is located and sample it and then um, assays and then on to jork resource. Mm. And just to be sure, that uh, figure you gave before that was contained lithium within brines, was it? Yes, uh, it's, yep. it's LCE, so 186,000 uh, tonnes of LCE. You mentioned there that uh, initially uh, planning, thinking has been around... Um, Stage one, sort of a 2,600 tonnes per annum of lithium carbonate. Um, not large, but uh, it looks very large given current prices for lithium carbonate. Yeah, it's, uh, so we you know, responded to that market change and, and that's why we've increased our investment in um, exploration activities to push the chalk up. And of course, that would, that would be to support a larger production rate. Um, mm -hmm. That's why you do it, right? So... Um, and, you know, we've been working on that now for about six months and, and things are starting to come together in the not too distant future. Probably around um, July, we think that um, that program will result in um, some increase in uh, jork resource. Mm. As it is, you've uh, already got a 20-year-plus plant life and internal rate of return of more than 30%, and that's using quite conservative uh, lithium carbonate prices. So very much a moving feast, uh, both... The, the, obviously the lithium market itself and I imagine 
what uh, end result you in, uh, what final decision you make on what just how big stage one will be. Yes, yeah, so that'll have an impact. Of course, the jork resource would be used to, in the current DFS um, that we're doing. So, as you may know, we're doing a um, DFS with Wally Engineering um, in the US. So we're using the Denver office. Uh, we like using third parties so we get things more accurate. Uh, and that's been rolling along now for about the same period, about six months. We should be finished that around about July. Um, so the chalk resource recalculation, um, if that all works out the way we hope, um, will be fed into that DFS. And then um, we'll get some uh, very interesting financial results um, or financial estimates from the combination of that drilling program and the detailed engineering study that uh, Wally's doing for us at the moment. Mm-hmm. Now, we haven't mentioned the uh, potential for an additional revenue source uh, mm. to the lithium. Uh, can you talk a bit about uh, what the, the bromine, bromine, depending on bromine, where you come bromide, from? yeah, that's right. It's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those, isn't it? What's the importance of that overall? So within the same brine, you know, the same bucket of brine, you would have a lithium, but also bromine and other things, uh, boron um, and a number of other minerals. Um, the bromine is particularly high. So bromine we don't have in Australia. No one's made a discovery of a bromine concentration. There's not many companies in the world that produce bromine, uh, only six, uh, two of them in the United States. One's called Albemarle, which is more famous for its lithium than its bromine, mm-hmm. uh, and another one called Lanxus, which is an offshoot of Bayer. Uh, so these companies uh, make a, a number of different products from the bromine. One is a, um, a fire retardant. So in the screen you're probably looking at now, your telephone, uh, your sofa at home, and uh, etc. car, dashboard, seats, anything with foam plastic would have a fire retardant in it and most likely that's going to be some type of a bromine polymer and um, that's the main use that it has for at the moment but there is a a growing use um, also for for um, zinc bromine battery so that's a, a alternative to the lithium battery and used for stationary purposes uh, it's usually liquid or uh, gel um, so it doesn't go so well in your car um, so you wouldn't want to fill your car with with liquid um, but as the lithium prices increase, there's been um, a lot of interest in this new technology, zinc bromine, in the States. A, a number of um, existing manufacturers are already gearing up and um, getting orders for stationary battery use, uh, you know, windmills, uh, uh, wind farms, uh, solar farms, that type of thing, anything stationary, rather than you know, utility companies going back to coal. They're, here they're already looking for the attorneys, but the lithium battery doesn't always... Um, doesn't work as well as uh, as as the zinc bromine battery. So there's a, a new opportunity there. So we're already seeing very good growth in the bromine market. So about five percent CAGR. Uh, that does not include the bromine zinc bromine battery, uh, which is expected to add on to that and create additional demand. So what that means for us is as we pull the lithium out of the brine, we also have bromine in the brine. Um, we add on additional. We could in, add on an additional plant. To extract that bromine and then start selling the bromine to um, to uh, possible manufacturers of stationary zinc bromine batteries in the US or elsewhere. So these stationary uh, zinc bromine batteries, obviously large scale, almost grid scale. You recently announced a collaboration uh, for production of the, the bromine with uh, Tetra, the New York Stock Exchange listed company. Tell us a bit about them. What the nature of the memorandum of understanding was, or the collaboration agreement. Yeah, so we've been talking to Tetra for a number of years. Um, they're interested in the bromine. They, 
they make a product uh, which is uh, uses the bromine as a weight for offshore oil drilling. It suppresses okay. gas surges. Um, they're probably number one in in that market, and um, their uh, demand, of course, um, even you know with the recent oil price has gone higher, but it was already high you know a couple of years ago, and they they see the fork they forecast their business growing quite quickly. So they're interested in in the bromine that we have um, from for that need, but also they've been working on that uh, zinc bromine battery. So they have they've developed a number of derivatives from their from their bromine uh, production. So they have their own conversion plant. So they buy the bromine on the market and they make a number of, um, of products, zinc bromine being one of them. And uh, during that during this period over a number of, you know, so 20 years of making zinc bromine, they've developed very good technology, um, something that we would be interested in. So it's a conversion of the bromine as it comes out of the brine and then you make it into ZNBR, zinc bromine or CABR or, um, or sodium bromide, uh, all having different purposes, and, um, but all having uh, uh, substantial growth rates. Mm, okay. Uh, I guess I'm not alone in not having no clue as to what bromine fetches. Uh, obviously, it's not a terminally uh, terminal market traded product. But I was just wondering if you could give us a feel for on a sort of revenue split going forward. Uh, is is bromine going to be 20 percent of revenue, or thirty percent? Do you think? Uh, well, we have a, we have a lot more bromine than we do lithium. Um, so the concentration of bromine in our brine is around about three and a half thousand ppm, and okay. we have around about one hundred and seventy ppm of lithium. So that in the same bucket, you've got more bromine than lithium. The forecast, I guess, is was what we look at is how much additional bromine is required. So the market for bromine is not as large as that for lithium, um, and so we while we could produce a lot of bromine. Um, and uh, at, at, from the same brine that we extract lithium from, there's mm-hmm. probably not a market that size. So we'd, we'd only convert some of the bromine in the uh, in the brine mm-hmm. um, to you know, to product, and and the rest of it we'd put back, and perhaps in the future come back and extract it. So in our process, we re-inject it, we put it back under the ground in in a yeah. similar layer to where we take it from. Okay, so that so. that sort of puts a limit on on uh, the revenue stream. So roughly speaking, I guess it's it'll be um, maybe you know, up to depending on how much you're producing, of course. So that's the that's the mm. trick of it, right? So if, um, you know, at sort of a moderate moderate scale, it'd be maybe twenty percent of the revenue. Um, okay. you know, so there'd be additional revenue um, if you did more uh, more production of lithium. Of course, that would drop down. So yeah. maybe you know, depending on how much you produced, um, mm. there's a difference in revenue generation as a percentage. Well, one thing that is quite clear is that uh, lithium projects where there is a, a co-product or in this case a byproduct, mm-hmm. tend to be uh, very much down you know, to the left-hand side of the cost curve. So is that the expectation with uh, Paradox? Certainly it provides a credit um, to, to our cost. So our costs um, that we published uh, last year in the updated PEA um, are available there. The DFS that we're doing now will give a revised um, mm-hmm. estimate and um, that will be quite interesting. Um, and then, you know, if we do decide to, to move ahead with the bromine, uh, that would be a credit, and it would certainly put us in the very um, the lower end of the of the uh, cost curve there, or the you know the the lower quartile of lithium yeah. production costs. All right, interesting one. Now, Bruce, uh, if we could just bring it all together and give investors a feel for uh, you've obviously got a lot of work underway, but if you can just summarise what uh, the key milestones will be as twenty twenty two unfolds. Sure. Um, so we have the, the drilling program going on, so um, we expect that will be 
uh, completed middle of this year, so around about July. Uh, that's a, a key thing, and that, that will give us additional resource um, to support the DFS, so we feed that into the DFS. DFS will, will be completed around about the same time, mid-July, um, and we, we will be able to provide the market with a, an update on, on the, um, uh, the financial estimates. Um, it'll be much more accurate than previously done because it is a DFS, so a lot more that's um, um, fed into a lot more drawings and, and uh, calls to, to companies um, about uh, possible costs of their equipment and so on. So that's all mm-hmm. we're coming to a head around about July. So from there, uh, we'll be continuing to expand our Jork resource um, over the rest of the year. Um, we'll be, um, we've really more or less completed our test work. Um, we've done a number of tests. Um, both um, from lab, um, laptop assessment or assay assessment right through to giving it to Novonics and then um, running it through batteries for three months. So we know we have a very high quality product. Um, and then we'll be out um, talking to offtake partners, um, end users, uh, marketing our product, um, and then raising the money for um, the next step of the next stage of the project of um, actually getting in and uh, building the project and uh, sourcing the equipment, putting it all together, um, getting all the government, final government approvals, etc. So mm. that'll be uh, a very busy second half of 2022. There we go, folks. Uh, very interesting story from an ASX company um, with a very advanced lithium project in Utah, just as the uh, lithium market goes into what some people are describing as uh, perpetual supply deficits. Uh, Anson well uh, well poised to uh, capitalise on that uh, at this Paradox project. So with that, Bruce, thanks for your time today. Uh, Very interesting story and uh, best of luck with it all. Thanks, Barry. Appreciate it.